Welcome to the Voice of the Pharaoh podcast. I am your host, Ben Hannon. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Okay, so here's the truth. I was late for work. I dropped my phone three times in a row. On the second time, when it hit the concrete, it did in fact crack. After seeing that it was broken, and after dropping it for now yet a third time, I did. I lost my temper. It's true, I did, and I, I picked up my phone, and I looked at it, and I held it in my hand, <clears throat> and I was so late for work, and I was so angry, and stressed out, and overwhelmed with life, just like all of us are, and it just felt so good to throw my phone, so good, and I did, I threw it, so that's my story, and I'm sticking to it. <laughs> right, exactly. So I just want you to know that this is a, it's, a, it's, I, I, I think you have a problem, Ben. I think this, we, I think we need to confront you on this, right? Yeah. Fair enough. I yeah. accept. <laughs> oh my God. This was the same time. This was the same, same phone. Oh, it's the yeah. same phone. Same phone. Oh, that's same okay. Phone. But is yeah. it, is the phone activated and same number? It is now. Yeah. Okay. That's another really long story, but I won't get into that. Yeah, it's finally okay. it's finally fixed the right way through Xfinity now. Yes. Okay. Yes. <laughs> so <clears throat> yeah, so I need to say, wow, and thank you to all of you for showing up here and doing this. And Chris, it's just really, really, really fun to see you. I haven't seen you in too long, man. Thanks for having me, Ben. Yeah, I don't yeah, know when did I see long. you last. Ten. 15 years ago, 20 years ago. Where, are you, where do you even live now? So I live in nor Northern California. I live in a city called Roseville, which is right outside of Sacramento, California. West. Uh, okay. okay, okay, okay. So this is what I'm going to do. Hey, Ben, uh, what are you going to do? Yeah, I'm real sorry about that, too. I, I really didn't understand that I can see what happened. I'm sorry about that. We're definitely cutting that. No apologies. <laughs> Just whatever you do, don't stand up again. That's all I'm saying. Oh, okay. right, I'm going to go this way. I got to go get a phone cord. It's part of the problem. So this is what I'm going to do. Okay. Um, we're going to, this is all, it's, it's not a big deal. So I want to welcome everybody to the Voice of the Feral podcast. And we got Kim Miller. We got Jason Mitchell. And we got Chris Coulter. And I am your host, Ben Hannon. And I want to tell everybody, thank you for showing up. And thank you for listening to this. Um, I want to start this off with your thoughts on Joe Exotic, and I want everybody to think about their best Matt Hannon story, and I want you to start with, let's get into Joe Exotic right now. I'm going to go grab a phone cord. You guys, Joe, Joe Exotic, and best Matt Hannon story that you, that you have. <laughs> <laughs> 
for your own records all the way back from bam bam okay so so kim do you even know what joke i want to hey hang on chris this is our opportunity to introduce our podcast (laughs) oh yes exactly (laughs) welcome to the chris and ben and kim podcast (laughs) and matt frazier and Matt Frazier. Matt Frazier. <laughs> yeah. So J- Jason and I have talked about doing our own podcast. And nice. um, so we have lots of ideas. We I just think never, we, have a, we, we, we don't start it like Ben actually does it. We just, I, we think, we think it should have something to do with all the churches we've been in and failed at. Right. <laughs> Um, we think that would probably be a good theme. I think there's a really big audience for people who would listen to that. What do you think, Jason? I think that um, failure in general is something that that I can speak to. (laughs) (laughs) With humility and confidence. (laughs) And years of experience. Yes. And years of experience. Right. Yeah. I have... No idea who Exotic is, and I really don't care. So Joe Exotic, I I'm not even there. So (laughs) Joe Exotic, I think I'm the only one who watched it, and Ben and I covered that in a previous episode. That's good. Oh no, not that again. (laughs) Yeah, there we go. You guys and your fancy computers, I just, I'm not quite, we have one, but it's just not, it's just not that, it's not that fast. So, Jason, can I, can I ask you a question? Um, Does your wife not let you in the house anymore? What's the deal with the garage? (laughs) I just, I didn't trust, I said, hey, look, Kim and Ben, I did that in the house last week, and that's fine. But Chris is on this week, and he <laughs> good language every once in a while. So I'll do this in the garage. Yeah, yeah, that's me. Yeah, that's me. You got it. That's uh, totally I um, I was showing uh, Kim earlier. I built the built this that little that little baby, and then the shelves up there to hold my two by fours. Shelter in place. I tried to get nice. be more productive. It worked. Okay. Oh, I want to get to that, but let's start with this. <laughs> let's go with, okay, what's your best Matt Hannon story? Let's start with Chris. Okay, I've yeah. got so okay. many stories. I've got so many stories about Matt. It kind of, it, it, I have a lot to say. You How long is the podcast? There you go. See, there's a lot in there. Okay, that's why I wanted so, to do this. And, and, so, yeah, we'll, we'll even take the top two. We'll even take the top two. Okay, so I'll give you, I'll give you, I'll give you two that have to do with guns, and then one that has to do with me graduating from seminary. So, Perfect. okay, so, so I was, Matt, I was when there I, for the Cheryl and I were talking about that seminary graduation recently. So, so when I first met Matt, I knew him in Long Beach, California, and uh, Matt would take me into his office and he'd call me in at like you know ten o'clock at night and say, "Hey, man, do you wanna?" You want to sit around and fly Falcon? Because we used to always play this this game where we would fly Falcon, and it was a computer-generated uh, flight simulator. But he didn't want to fly Falcon. Instead, what he wanted to do is shoot things in the church. Has anybody ever experienced with them, Kim? Uh, have you ever had this experience with them? This is good. This is good. So he would like to sh- – he called it shooting the bell. Yeah. Right? <laughs> and, 
And he had like, a, I don't even know what he had, probably a, a 40 millimeter handgun, whatever the guy had, he had a million handguns, right? So oh, yeah. he would, he would, he would take his handgun out and in the, in the church at Long Beach, Bethany Church, used to be Bethany Baptist, and now it's just like Bethany Church, I don't even know if it's still there. Anyways, there was this nice long hall, and at the end of the hall, there was this red fire bell, like the old school bells at the fire, you know, fire alarms, and it was like a really hard, like major steel bell right at I the end. I can see where this is and, going, yes. And when you looked at it, he'd go, hey, take a look at that bell. And you'd go, man, it looks like it's all dented up. He goes, yeah, I've been shooting that thing, right? So he'd pull, <laughs> his, he'd pull his gun out. We'd have to wait till it was like midnight and no one was around, right? And uh, he would take his gun out and I would sit behind it. He'd have an earplug and I didn't have them. So I'd have to have my hands in my ears. And he would, he would pull and he would take like, I'm not joking you. It made me so nervous. He would take like two minutes to sight the thing in, right? Just like just make sure it was dead on and he would shoot the bell and he was really proud of himself especially if he got more red paint off of it right oh, like he chipped man. more red paint off but then we'd have to go and we would have to find the shards of metal because he didn't and want the janitor the next morning that's he didn't want the janitor the next morning to pick it up in the vacuum cleaner and then ruin the vacuum cleaner and be like hey what's this on the floor so he was like seriously on the lowdown then i got into seminary and i did so bad in seminary i mean matt basically I survived seminary because of Matt. I, I'll never forget uh, my my uh, pre the guy who taught me preaching was a, he was terrible and I didn't like him at all. So I went to the school and asked that they would make Matt as the adjunct professor for um, my preaching class homiletics. And Matt said yes, and the school said yes because Matt was on the board. And so Matt taught me how to preach. But one of the things he did as a prerequisite for me teaching with him, and I think I probably already had my concealed weapons permit at the time. But he had said, okay, so we're going to make sure at least we have some fun here is that, you know, both you and I have concealed weapons permits. So I'm going to have you preach, but you're also going to watch me preach. And this is one of the ways you're going to learn. But every time we preach, we're going to carry a gun. And so if I'm watching you, of course, I'm going to be listening to what you're saying, but I'm going to try to figure out where you are carrying the gun on your body while you're up in front of the crowd preaching, right? In your ankle, in your back, in your, you know, whatever, in your holster. And the same was true with him, but I could never find where he would be carrying. He always carried. He always carried when he preached. Always. Okay, always, always. I'd like to just insert right here and say, imagine growing up with that guy, dude. He is a psych. <laughs> he's a freaking psycho. Okay, just remember that. <laughs> Go ahead. That's not. That's not. It's not. Not falsity, right there. That's not. So a then I. Statement. No. So, he, so then I finally. He's a mastermind. A mastermind. So Matt finally gets me through seminary. I spent so many late nights with Matt. It was hysterical. He would stay up till two or three in the morning with me. He'd stay up till five in the morning with me. I would be at your house, Ben, and I would, I would, I would be working on a paper all night long. And then I'd hear your mom's alarm go off upstairs to wake up. And Matt would look at me and go, it's time to go. Right. And I'm like, yeah, I should probably leave your house now. So I'd leave. So, get out of here, so, dude. No, yeah, seriously. We did all-nighters all the time. So yeah. I remember when I finally when I finally graduate from seminary, when I finally graduate from seminary, it's a 3-year program. So Matt helped me cram my 3-year program into 7. Only took me 7 years to get through seminary. Thank you, Matt Hannon. And um so I I graduate from seminary and I walk the walk and I go through my graduation, but they don't give you the diploma until after you graduate because they print them afterwards. So I I walk in like May or whatever. So September comes. And uh, I get a little, st I'm waiting for my diploma. It's like, I've been waiting seven years to get my, you know, diploma, master's from Western Seminary. 
and Matt uh, and I were both waiting. It's kind of an exciting thing, but I get this thing in the mail that says, dear Mr. Coulter, we regret to inform you we cannot um, let you graduate because you have an outstanding balance on your account. <laughs> of course you do. So I go to the school and it turns out that one of my professors that I'd had before had falsely put me down as a student on the uh, at, uh, returning for school again in September, right? So I'm like, oh, geez. So uh, I go, well, you know, I, I, uh, I call the school. They're like, well, you have to come down. And I go down and they tell me they're going to clear the charges. And then like two weeks later, I get another letter that says, uh, Mr. Coulter, we regret to inform you that um, you have another outstanding balance on your account. I call the school again. They said, oh, yeah, that's a drop charge for the class. And I'm like, I didn't sign up for the class. Someone else put me down falsely. So this goes on with all these charges for like a month. I, I, they keep sending me letters and I'm like, I just want my diploma. So they finally send me my diploma. It finally comes. They finally agree to take everything off and they send me my diploma, except they have spelled my name wrong on the diploma. Of course they right? And I'm like, oh my gosh, are you kidding? You're kidding me. They spelled my name wrong. And all this is Matt's in this with me and he's laughing and he thinks, thinks it's funny. And I'm like having heartburn all over the place. So finally they get it right. They want to charge me to redo my diploma because it costs them to send it off. And I'm like, I'm not paying the charge. You're doing all this. So they finally wow. send my, they finally send my diploma to me and they send it to the church. And Matt tells Louise Bontel, you guys remember Louise? Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay, name from the yeah, past. Louise. Matt, Matt tells Shout Louise, Louise. Bonzel. Yep. Shout out to yep. Louise. Yep. What's up, Louise? Yep. He, he tells her, when you get a package from Western Seminary to Chris Coulter, don't give it to him. Give it to me. So Matt gets my diploma, <laughs> and he takes it, and he opens the package, and he scans it into his computer, and he changes it from Western Baptist Conservative Seminary to Western Baptist Conservative Cemetery. Oh, that's fine. And he prints it out. Oh, and he, good. He, he takes the seal of New Heights and he, like, like when you get baptized, there's like a seal from New Heights and he does that on the paper so it looks totally official. And he puts it all back in the envelope, makes it look like it was never open. <laughs> then he tells Louise to tell the staff that Chris got his diploma and we're gonna have a big opening of his diploma and this is gonna be super great, right? So Matt gets the whole staff together because it's like the moment, because they've all been laughing and I kind of give them updates on what's happening with Chris's diploma this week, whatever coming. Um, and uh, so they all gather around and I open my diploma in front of the staff and I'm like, what? Cemetery, are you kidding me? And I just completely lose it. And um, Matt is back there giggling as hard as Matt has ever laughed in his entire life. That's great. And it that's, was like, that's awesome. Yeah. That's funny. That's very that's, funny. That's, that's typical awesome. Matt Hannon in my life. He just he yeah. looked for opportunities just to like just to make my blood boil as much as he could, and he did it. Yeah, he would have he would have made it in CIA, FBI, anything internal, in, anything like international affairs. Guy would guy knows like he would have been able to learn so many languages. He would have done very well. It's so true. It's yeah, so he's true. a master. He's a mastermind. Wow, that's pretty cool. Uh, yeah. Uncle Kim, okay, what do you? What is your favorite? You you got anything to throw in? <laughs> I haven't known him very long. a lot of time with my dad. <laughs> What's that? Uh, I haven't known him very long, so there's there's yeah, you'd have there's to not too many stories. So the ones that always crack me up though, the time he goes shooting and shoots himself. 
<laughs> no, I haven't heard this. Never heard this. What? Oh, okay. No. He he's a he's a pyro from the word go. You know, and, and he loves to blow things up. Yes, he, he does. Guns, obviously. Yeah. So he took off. Uh, Cindy and Matt went out to the desert to go shoot. <laughs> he and he. He he likes to see things blow up, so he takes. We were loading uh, rounds at that time ourselves, and so he took a, a, a shell and he stuck it in the target, and he wanted to shoot the primer and watch it blow up. But <laughs> when he shot, <laughs> he he came right <laughs> next to the shell and uh, split the case. The gunpowder went off. And the primer went out and hit him right in the head. <laughs> right in the forehead. And oh. blood's everywhere. And he goes, how am I going to tell Cindy I just killed myself? <laughs> Cindy's in the car taking it down. And he's going, oh, man. Oh, man. <laughs> in the Volkswagen van. So, anyway. Only Matt. That's a great story. That's and a then, great story. Well, have you heard about the ones where he shot Mark? Uh, I've heard about it. Yes, I've heard about I it. I assume yeah. everyone shot twice. Mark. Twice. <laughs> he didn't shoot him tw once. He shot him twice. Oh one God. time I was, I'm driving along in Long Beach, and I see a bowling ball in a gutter. It's like, what is a bowling ball in a gutter? I go, I got to get that thing. So I stop, I pick it up, and I go, this is going to be great to shoot. So <laughs> I go home, and Matt's living next door, and I take it up and go, look at this. This is great to shoot. What do you think? He goes, great. So, you know. <laughs> I have to go to work and he and Mark are going to go hunting or shooting rather. So I will take it with you and see what happens. Goes, okay. So they take it out and they start dinking with it, right? Shooting. 22s are just bouncing off, not even making a mark. Then they go up, then they go up, then they go up. And around the nine millimeter area, handguns, <laughs> he shoots and Mark's looking at it with binoculars. And all of a sudden, Mark goes, oh no, <laughs> and jumps up, rips off his pants, and He's oh, I've heard the story. Hit the bowling ball just perfectly enough to ricochet back and hits him right in the inside of the thigh. Oh! <laughs> this ginormous bruise. <laughs> and oh well, poor Mark. Just like, wow. Oh. <laughs> that was, that I, was I, one of the times. I heard it and went up his pant leg. Yeah, it, it, it hit him. Hit him hard. It was, wow. it was, uh, yeah, it left a mark. But that was your fault, Jim. <laughs> yeah. I don't shoot with Matt, Matt anymore. <laughs> yeah, smart. <laughs> yeah, unless, that's, it's just, unless it's just a Pelican, then we'll see what, you know, maybe. <laughs> that guy, but, yeah, that guy, he does, he has some crazy things happen to him. I, the two stories I was going to throw at it was, I remember one time I came home from school and my, well, actually that, yeah, that's a good story too. I remember one time I came home from school and my dad was, it was home, which was never, that was very abnormal to be home at three o'clock in the afternoon for him. He had his leg up in the recliner and he was sleeping and so he woke up and I said, what in the world are you doing? He's like, oh, I just had, a, had to get a bullet taken out of my leg today, you know. <laughs> and I'm like, what? <laughs> I'm like, what? Did you say that you just had a bullet taken out of your leg, you know? And he's like, yeah, yeah. 
So apparently when he was a kid, he was screwing around on some military base, just being a kid, you know, looking around, probably, I don't know, throwing rocks. I don't know what they were doing, but it was during the, um, I don't know, one of the, one of the times that we pissed Russia off, you know, and they were concerned about like getting bombed and everything. So it was like a shoot first, ask questions later, kind of a site on, on base where he was when he was a kid. And so I, apparently they were playing <clears throat> and one of the armed guards saw him and his buddy over there and his buddy and him took off running and the guy just started shooting at him. And he, I, I don't know if he hit my dad, shot him in the leg or if the ricochet hit him or what, but he had bolt fragments in his leg. And he said he was, he was so concerned about telling his dad that he, he was willing to not say anything about it because he didn't want his dad to find out. So he just never did anything about it. And then that day when I got home, he was, he had had it taken out of his leg. So <laughs> what are the chances, you know, mm-hmm. I guess. And then maybe the other story I was going to throw at it was um, <clears throat> when we went on that hunting trip and I finally shot a couple of ducks that I probably should not have shot because we didn't have a dog back then. And my poor dad stripped all the way down to his underwear and he waded in <laughs> he waded into a very i mean this pond with no exaggeration it had it had probably a good foot of ice around the whole edge of it you know it was there was water in the middle but it was very 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 cold there was ice everywhere everything was frozen i mean he's eastern washington and he waded out there and got those ducks for me and you know uh, how do you repay somebody for doing that? You know, <laughs> you can't. It's hard. That's my that's my Matt Hannon story. <clears throat> and then you got the one where uh, the last one I'll throw at it. Really, we needed Mike for this, but I called him one time when I was living over east, and he was like, "Yeah, yeah." He said, "Yeah, I've been laid up. I can't go anywhere. You know, I got hit by a goose." And I'm like. <laughs> you got hit by a goose what do you mean you got hit by a goose you know it just made no sense to me well apparently he had gone goose hunting with mike and he one tripled on these geese he shot one shot another one and by the time he got to the third one he said he had forgotten about the first one and the first one was falling you know from 65 yards or whatever they were shooting pretty hot loads so this 18 pound goose came down at 40 miles an hour and my dad was looking this way and it hit him like that and said it just it said it hit him and just blood just pile drove him down into the bottom of the boat knocked him out said almost completely unconscious and he was laid up from for week for like a week couldn't walk from it he was so sore he was all stiffened up he couldn't even move You got to ask Mike Bulky about that, man. Oh, yeah. He's the one to ask because he was there. You know, I didn't get to see it. Yeah, we need to get him on this. Early early goose is always an adventure. (laughs) So that's that's, that's it. We're going to shift gears, and I appreciate that. And, and, you know, shout out to Matt Hannon, I guess. Shout out to Matt Hannon. Show some respect for him and all the good stuff that he's done for lots of people. So, um, but I want to transition. I want to talk about two things. I want to get into your dad, Emery, and I want to, Chris, I want to get into your institution into duck hunting and how you grew up. Uh, you had a little bit different caliber 
than probably your average working man. So you don't have to get too far into that, but uh, talk about that, dude, because what's it like shooting, you know, what's it like going to Mexico and hunting? You know, I just, I want to get into all that. So how did you get into all this? Where did, where did all this start? Let's start with Chris. How did you get into this? So to be clear, I didn't really understand hunting until I moved to the Pacific Northwest and had to actually work for my birds. <laughs> okay, that's fair. Yeah. <laughs> so you know, bring the uh, hunting is actually going for the animals. Chris was like, bring them to me. It was more of a <laughs> no, it's okay. I don't, I'm I, not saying it was more worth, of a killing slaughter fest is what it was. I'm not judging one or the other. So how so, did you even uh, get started? I mean, you're from Southern California. How does a guy get into hunting in Southern California? So my dad, uh, we were friends with a bunch of guys who had uh, uh, sons similar to my age. So okay. probably when I was maybe 11 or 12, okay. uh, we had a bunch of dads who were uh, kind of the hunting type and the camping and outdoorsmen. And my dad was not that at all. Um, my dad was the antithesis of that, but he had something in him that wanted to try to be rugged. So oh, okay. uh, he, he said at some point, probably I was 10, 11, he said, hey, it's time to start to learn how to, you know, shoot a gun. Now, we had a club that we went to down in uh, Mexico because we were, we had, we had wealth. And so we had yeah, a club in awesome. Mexico that we went to that was um, <clears throat> a place we would take our families. We had about, uh, there were about 100 members there and it was very exclusive. Wow. It was very rustic, but it was really a great place to be a kid at. And you could bring your yeah. bike and ride forever right outside yeah. of Ensenada right outside of wow. Ensenada okay. in, in Mexico. So we were, what, about a three-hour drive from the border, I think, to Ensenada is what it was. Oh, really? And, what um, year, what yeah, year is so, this? What, give us a timeline. What are we talking, 1980s, 1970s? So we're probably talking 1980, 1982. Okay. I was at the gun. This was the, 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 they called them. Uh-oh. A lot of quail shoot um, down there and a lot of duck shooting. So before I got into that, um, with my dad, we just went as a family and had just an outstandingly great time. Um, so, uh, at some point my dad decided to teach me how to shoot. He felt like it was something I was going to learn how to do. And he wanted me to do it within supervision. So, um, a bunch of guys were my age and they wanted to shoot as well. So we all kind of learned together. And wow, then we just really cool. started, we started going to these hunts down in Mexico and okay. uh, at first we would just go quail hunting. We didn't know what we were doing. We'd find some guy who lived in a village and he'd take us out and there'd be, you know, hundreds and hundreds of quail and we'd shoot like one or two in the entire day because we were just terrible at it. And um, <laughs> Would they so, would they run, would the, so you would hire like a, like a Mexican guy who lived there and would he run dogs? Yeah, they'd, they'd have a dog or two or they would just bring us out. And there would be four or five different um, little Mexican kids that would come with us. We'd pay them a buck or wow. two a day. And okay. they would shoot up the birds. They'd, they'd come around and flank them and shoot them into our okay. field. Um, then my dad got in touch That's with a cool. couple of guys who were actually very, very wealthy. And they had planes. My dad ended up getting a plane. And we would fly down to kind of central Mexico. And um, we would go in these shoots in these towns where you would fly into. And there would be basically couple hundred people who lived there and then a a really sorry excuse for a hunting lodge and okay. it didn't matter because all you needed was a room and they were basically these really terrible hotels that they'd taken over and made into hunting lodges and we okay. would go out of these little cities and we would go into the the barley fields or wherever and there was 
no hunter within hundreds of miles. There was no Mexican game warden. There was nothing. There was no immigration when you crossed the border. There was none of that. You just would take your plane and fly in and land on the tiniest little runway. And you would freak out because you're like, uh, I don't think I'm going to live, right? And the, the airplane wow. would take up the entire runway to land, right? Wow. And uh, we had a couple places we went to. A couple guys had nice big Lear jets and they couldn't land there. Um, so we'd, we'd have to take the smaller planes in and we would go out and we would do two hunts a day. A lot of times we would do dove or pigeon. Um, we would sometimes do duck and the dove shoots were, I mean, unbelievable. Yeah, right now. So you could easily, you could go through, uh, you could go through a case of shells in a day down there. Wow. Okay. Okay. So what is that? Like piles of birds, like piles of birds. Probably right? twenty bucks. Yeah, you, you'd have bucks. a pile of you'd have a pile of dove after a morning shoot, and um, so then there'd be. So you know, hang on. So you um, you um, picked and gutted all those and prepared them. So yeah, so we'd get there, we'd leave before the sunrise. So what was funny is you wouldn't see the hotel or the place we were staying in the daylight ever, except the day you flew in and the day you flew out. Right. Oh, okay. So, you, so you'd fly in during the day, go to the lodge, and then from then on, you wouldn't see the lodge during the day because they make you the get up came so up. early. Yeah. And you get up at like four in the morning and drive an hour and get out and set up, <laughs> and then you shoot from like you know six thirty until like nine thirty or ten, and then they would string wow. hammocks for all of us wow. between the trees. And the little shaggers who were paying a couple bucks a day, they're little Mexican kids. They would gut a bunch of birds and they'd do a big fire pit. And they'd bring out a grill or a griddle or whatever, and they'd cook like a million eggs and a bunch of dove or whatever we're eating, wherever we're shooting. And they would cook them all up and they would give us whatever there was to drink. You know, um, we really didn't drink alcohol. We would just sit there and just drink water and lemonade and Cokes until about uh, three or four in the afternoon. And then we'd do the afternoon shoot. And the afternoon shoots were fun. Oh, they would usually change places and find a nice watering hole where um, the doves would come in, especially those morning doves, they would love to come in. They'd have to spread us all out evenly because it would be really easy to take a low shot and swing and kill somebody. And it would get to the point where I got to be such a good shot with my little 20 gauge. Um, I had a 20 gauge, uh, what did I have? I had a Browning 20 um, and such a great little gun. I've still got the thing. So I got to be such a good shot that the shaggers wouldn't be able, I'd have two or three shaggers with me. They wouldn't be able to go out after my birds. They would just mark them. Oh, one, two, three, four. And they would just remember where they were until the sun got almost to the point where you couldn't see. And then they would go gather my birds and bring them all back. And then we'd go back for dinner and they would, everything you ate was dove or duck or whatever you were eating. And um, I mean, I had a time once with my dad and you didn't have to have a plug in your gun. So we'd have these automatics. We would shoot um, uh, ducks together. And I had a time once where (laughs) my dad and I each unloaded five shots in the air, right? And 11 birds came down. It was like there were so many ducks. You cannot imagine so many ducks. You would you would be you wouldn't want to shoot anymore after two or three days of shooting because your arm would just be hamburger. You would think maybe I should just learn how to shoot, you know, lefty with my shotgun because like I literally can't even pull my gun up and put it against my arm because it hurts so bad. And wow. uh, I mean, you just it was it was decimation. We would kill. We would kill. And those were the days when it didn't cost much money to go down there. I think you know 
you'd probably paid 25 bucks a day for each of us to be down there. And then you just tip wow. people like crazy, right? Because all the Mexicans who'd help you, they weren't a part of the hunting lodge. So they would come out, you just give everybody, you know, a couple bucks, five bucks. And that's like a week, a two weeks of wages for them. Right. So it was really right. kind of a special thing to be. And there were birds were everywhere. You could stop and in the middle of the day. They had places where you go bass fishing if you didn't want to hunt anymore. And they had bass little places you could do the bass fishing. I did that a couple of times. You'd catch these huge bass. I mean, you just had so much meat. You didn't know what to do with it. So wow. then I come to the Pacific Northwest and Matt's like, hey, man, you know, you want to go? You want to go out and go duck hunting with me? And I'm like, yeah, let's go. And, you know, he wants to leave at 3.30 in the morning to get set up, right? And it's it's like two degrees, right? Right. And uh, and then you go it's out raining. and you, you, it's, it's raining. raining and you get, you get a tag so you can shoot four ducks each, right? Right. And and then you go out and go to the, you tromp out to the pond and I'm like, where are the people that are going to help us set up? <laughs> and Matt would just laugh at me, laugh at me. And then we go to the pond and he'd be like, Hey man, you gotta walk out in the pond and break the break the ice so we can put the put the deeks down. And I'm like, oh my god. So then you sit out there and you wait for a bird to fly and every hour a bird flies over. You know, Maybe. and you take a shot or two and, and you have to alternate between oh Matt took the shot last time, so now it's my turn. Oh, the next time is gonna be Matt, and you know, you go back and forth. And you know, maybe you get your ducks, maybe you don't. And then uh, then we'd come back and Matt would just be like, oh, this is just the best experience. And I'm thinking, yeah, okay. That's pretty cool. not <laughs> <laughs> hunting. Yeah. So uh, it wasn't really funny. hunting. It was, it was killing. It was killing. Let me that's tell you. Funny. That's it funny. Well, you know what? To each his own, man. That's the way you got into it and you learned how to I mean, there's probably so much you learned about hunter safety and firearm handling and different shotguns and actions and plugs. And I mean, everybody has to get their education somehow, you know, and that's, yeah, just you know, we had different. a rule. We had a rule when I was a kid and I was learning to shoot was um, you didn't get a second chance. So when you were learning, there were no second chances. So if you were out and we would always shoot clay pigeons or whatever and learn how to handle right. our guns. And if you made a mistake, you were done for the day. Yeah. So if you walked in front of the gun line where you weren't supposed to, or you mishandled, you know, the tip of your gun, or you did something stupid, uh, just even if you were just, you know, you didn't know, you just were, you weren't, you weren't experienced enough. You were done. You just get the camping chair and sit behind everybody else. You can now watch. <laughs> That's pretty cool, gun. actually. Yeah. And after, you know, three or four of those, you're like, okay, now I'm very aware of where I'm very aware. This gun at all yeah. times. I know, I know my, my gun is loaded or not loaded. I know exactly where everybody else is. I know, I know, I, I don't, I want to shoot, right? Yep. Like, I don't want to yep. sit out anymore. <laughs> yeah. Yep. So that was a good, that was a good thing to learn. But I learned a whole lot about guns from your dad. That's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> That's for sure. There's a lot. That guy lot more to learn. knows, he knows if there's something that guy knows, he knows firearms, man. He is, he, 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 uh, we went to a hunter safety deal. Oh, this winter, and I was sorely disappointed at at the at the quality of what I mean. It was just it was a joke. And coming from what I learned and growing up with, you know, my old man, and then even the guy that taught my son Wyatt in Ellensburg, um, yeah, you know, Bill, if you're out there, Bill Essman, uh, the best um, youth hunter safety course that I have ever seen put on by anybody in the fish and wildlife industry ever it is it was yeah a guy does it in ellensburg washington uh is he's a retired game warden 
works. I think he even works on the federal level. He's, he, he knows and in a lifelong hunter, he still goes to Montana every year, but he has the wow. best. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Great guy. He still has. So yeah. Shout out to Bill, man. What a great guy. <laughs> um, and thank you for educating my son. You know, Wyatt's mm-hmm. killed a couple bucks now and he's killed uh, a couple turkeys and, um, you know, he shot some quail and some doves and he's starting to put it together. So it's pretty fun. <laughs> pretty fun. And Isaac's wow. starting to get into it. He killed a couple turkeys this year. Uh, <laughs> time. So, yeah. okay. Chris, so we got, oh, hey, go hang ahead. on a second. Yeah. I just want to say to Chris, uh, I really appreciate you because you were very instrumental in helping Nate and Ryan yep. That's right. develop their shotgun skills because we used to go out and shoot those clays at Vancouver Lake <laughs> all the time. And That's you'd right. come along and you were the fastest and most accurate shooter I have ever seen. Yeah, and, he's incredible. Uh, yeah. Competing between those two, that would sit Nate and Ryan on each side of you and you'd be in the middle. I'd throw a clay and it was always, who can shoot it first? And those right. boys, oh, we're going to beat Chris this time. I don't think so. <laughs> oh, yeah, we are. We're going right. to do it. <laughs> so, you can bring yeah, the heat, yeah. man. Yeah, we've yeah. got so yeah. many clays with you, and they yeah. really learned a lot. So I just want to say, yeah. I really appreciate that about you. Yeah. <laughs> I remember. I appreciate. I remember those days. Those were fun days, weren't they? Those were fun. They days. were. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. yeah. Well, and that's the thing, man. You know, they say now it, you got all this business stuff out on Instagram, and and some of it's good material, but to be exceptional at anything, you got to put at least, you know, the 10,000 hours, you know, and what I see in your story is you're out there and yeah, you're shooting Mm -hmm. hundreds, hundreds, and then thousands of birds, but look at the practice and look how good you got at, you know, clays and anything that moves. And then, yeah, you come up to us, we meet you, you know, when we're kids and it's like, holy cow, we got, we got a a world-class duck calling guy hanging out and and then we got this shotgun dude and we got mr firearm over here who's you know doing police shooting and it's like hey you know we need to we need to use the resources so yeah thank you to to all of you and uncle kim as well you know for taking us and teaching us how to hunt and um you don't realize it until you get older but there's a lot of kids that just don't have that they just don't have anybody taking them i make a point now to any time I can ever take a kid, I take them anytime if their folks are okay with it because it's a big yeah. deal and it's it's getting lost and you know if this coronavirus takes over and we all have to live off the land again, there's going to be a lot of people that are they're not going to do very well, you know. Right. So, right. <laughs> um, Kim, how did you get how did you get into hunting altogether? You're you're a Kansas feedlot you know, farm boy from Midwestern USA. How in the world did you get into hunting? I uh, just happened to live next door to your dad. <laughs> okay. okay. That's where it started. Started okay. out, you know, got my first gun. And then I've always liked the idea of hunting. And then, but uh, I've always liked shotgun shooting the best. Because yeah. it's just, to me, it's just fun. And, yeah. And uh, it just yeah. progressed from there. Yeah. yeah. And you, you living in that area when you were a kid too, I'm sure having, <clears throat> I mean, you guys have pheasants and white-tailed deer all over that place. So mm-hmm. yeah. in Kansas, yeah. 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 That's a, that's a very much a hunting state. So yeah. Yeah. But okay. You know, so move up here. Yeah. The move up here was what uh, really 
caused it to grow into all kinds of hunting because I really wanted yeah. Nathan and Ryan both to experience that and get good at it and be able to you know do that kind of stuff so you know did all that. we need to bring another guy into this picture too and we need to we need to pay a little respect to Wayne Sims because oh, Wayne yeah. Sims oh, yeah. uh, he did a Whoa. lot for us yeah. So shout out to Wayne. Shout out to Wayne. Yeah. Old Wayne. Yeah. I remember the first time that I remember RJ, like you called my dad, Uncle Kim, and you're like, yeah, we got a cow, you know? And so we came over and RJ shot this. RJ oh, just, yes. just shot this. There you go. Oh, there you go. Oh, Wayne. Good job. Good Wayne. <clears throat> Going out sturgeon hunting. Yeah. <laughs> I the I got a story about Wayne Sims one time. My buddy and I were we were going fishing with him and he was pulling his big giant boat. And we had borrowed my dad's Chevy Blazer. And you know that stretch where you get on along the side of the ocean and it just it's just straight for miles and miles, you know what I'm talking about? Oh yeah. So Wayne's telling the story. I'm sitting in the middle. My buddy Jeremy's sitting here and Wayne's driving. So it's like a trio like that. He's telling the story. And I look down there and I can see there's a, a big construction site ahead of us. And it's coming up, you know. And you, you, you can see the guy with the sign and everything. Wayne keeps talking. And we're getting closer. And the guy, he's kind of going like that with his sign. And then pretty soon he's like going a little faster. And then pretty soon he's shaking his sign. And he's going <laughs> like that. And Wayne just keeps right on. And he just drives right through the construction site at like 60 miles an hour with this giant boat behind him. And he's rolling down his window telling him, hey, get the heck out of the way. And all this stuff yelling at the guys. And so we go all the way through the construction site. And I can see the guy on his phone. You know, he's calling the calling the boss or whatever. And, and I'm dying laughing. And Jeremy's dying laughing. And Wayne's still trying. Now he's mad. He's trying to tell the story. And we carried all the way to Astoria and went fishing. And, and never had nobody ever stopped us. And then, uh, so that was <laughs> That's my Wayne Sims story. So, I got a uh, story. I've got oh, some stories. One of them was when Cheryl and I first moved up there. So we moved up in September of 93, and we got this little apartment complex on Mill Plain. And um, I probably asked your dad. I said, hey, man, you know, Cheryl's asking. We had a little fireplace in our apartment. And so I said, hey, where do I get some wood? And he said, oh, yeah, I talked to Wayne Sims. So I was like, Wayne, you know, hey, man, can I get a, yeah, I got some wood. And he's like, oh, yeah, no problem. And um, so I give him the address and I give him the time that I'm going to be not, you know, home to deliver. And um, so long story short, Wayne calls me like middle of the middle of the afternoon one day and I'm at New Heights. And he's like, yeah, you, you may want to come down and start deal with the wood that I just dropped off for him. And like, oh, you dropped off the wood? Like, <laughs> oh, no. He's like, yeah. He goes, yeah, there's, there's some people asking some questions. And I'm like, oh, okay. And then right after that, someone from the apartment complex is like, yeah, you need to get the wood off the lawn. <laughs> <laughs> so literally, keep in mind that like my – my apartment, oh, my apartment so complex 
he he drove up he backed up through the parking lot down several lines of apartments and then dumped it in the back of my apartment like he drove oh. up. <laughs> like and dumped it like and there's this big mound and i'm like oh yeah so i drive home and i throw it on my patio and it was fine but oh, that was so my baptism of wayne zims like he's like yeah i remember he showed up to at church one time on a sunday morning and with a buck that he had just killed like i don't even remember it just that morning he, came by. he hadn't even gutted it it was just in the back of his pickup uh, he was a hilarious guy but yeah, didn't he lame. he chopped down yeah. trees for me he chopped down trees for bolty yeah some off the record conversations we should probably have at some point but yeah yeah he's a handy dude he's a handy dude um didn't didn't, didn't he get you an rj and elk yep Okay. Uh, Ryan got drawn for a toodle cow. That's what it was. It was Actually, a toodle. I couldn't remember. It was, it was okay. a toodle either sex cow. Yeah, either sex. So five days to go up to toodle and shoot. So I said, hey, Absolutely. the only person I know that knows that area is going to be Wayne. So Wayne's we hop in the right. truck and we take off and <clears throat> spent three, took three days to find the, the critters. Wow. It was pretty nasty weather. Yeah. But uh, finally on the last day, I'm sitting up. Wayne's driving, Ryan's on the right side, and I'm standing in the cab. I mean, I'm standing in the bed of the truck, you know, looking, and it's raining, and I'm just looking, and all of a sudden, I, he's driving real slow up on the logging roads, and I hear a crunch, 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 and I go, I tap on the top of the hood, and they stop, and I go, they're right over the edge. So we get out. Ryan gets the rifle. He has a little you know, fork stick to hold the rifle, help him. Cause he's, I think he's eight at this point. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and and what's he, what's he shooting, Kim? He's eight years old. He's shooting a 270. Yeah. A 270. That's a, big, wow. that's a yeah. big gun for an eight year old. Yeah. yeah. So we're looking over the side and sure enough, there's, there's like 10 elk right there. And there's two <laughs> doe just sitting there going, hi, hi. is this better? <laughs> it turns sideways even more. And, and he's he's looking at it. He looks at one. He looks at the other. Looks at one. <laughs> looks at the other. Wayne's going shoot. Looks at one. Looks at the other. Shoot. Looks at one. Looks at the other. Wayne goes shoot that blah 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 thing. <laughs> <laughs> and also he said, he said that boom. He just shot it like that. It just oh, oh, that beautiful. <laughs> Uh, such and then yeah then all we did was we went shit up to the road threw it in the back and took off but was that yeah so without his help ryan would never have gotten his first elk so yeah, that, <laughs> that, and that was thank a you big wayne elk. thank you wayne yeah thank you wayne that was a big that was a big cow too she's mm -hmm. big it was big but it was big it was big but the six point bull that was in the bushes right beside him but that we didn't see <laughs> was bigger. Oh, and, really? Wow. Yeah, we didn't even see it. He could have shot either one, but uh, wow. didn't even. All we saw the two two girls just sitting there, perfect, raring to go. And this guy was down eating behind a bush. As soon as the shot, he stuck up. It's like, it's like, oh darn. <laughs> oh well, I'm glad we yeah. didn't get that because it was hard enough getting that. Uh, even though we winched it up, it was hard enough just to get it up into the mm. truck. So 
Oh, they're huge, man. It's like shooting a horse. They're yeah. huge. Yeah. Yeah, they're huge animals. Wow. What a neat story. Okay, so uh, Jason, how did your dad get started with, uh, I want to talk about that. Like, how did Emery even get on the path of hunting? So he grew up in, um, in uh, right on the bay in San Pablo Bay, which is um, the north part of San Francisco Bay. So he grew okay. up, like, kind of right on the water. And him and his brother, they both sailed, and they, like, you know, hunted the, the bluebills that were hang, hanging out there. So, wow. Yeah. Okay. So, um, you know, there were a number of kids that were doing what we were doing when we were kids, which was right. their birds down there, and they'd, you know, set up in the cove and shoot a bunch of birds. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. So. <laughs> just that, so the culture bred the interest, just like the same kind of trend that we're talking yeah, about. I mean, yeah. was, uh, you know, it was, it was the 40s and 50s and kids were on their own, you know, so they were, you know, running around doing what they wanted to do. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, he got into hunting real early. You know, the thing that I like about it is that, you know, not only is it what we came from, but everybody farmed at one time, you know, everybody lived off the land. It's really not a new concept. It's just that we transitionalized out of being an agricultural society and we created industry. You know what I mean? And now I think it's funny because we got all this industry and all this technology, which there's some great benefits to it, but you got people making 250k a year living in downtown portland and all they want to talk about is the chickens they have in their backyard <clears throat> you know what i mean yep because that's the only thing that they feel like they're still really connected to that has um you know i think some really uh, historical roots um so anytime i see that even if it's just a couple of chickens i always try to jump on it and and ask people like hey you know what are you doing with that because they love talking about it so and my dad he grew up in farm fresno so he um him and his brother um their job was to get in the eggs and so they would um you know because they didn't want to get like walloped by the turkeys or the chickens they take those and knock them out and right eggs. yeah so he um grew up on a farm and so he was used to all that and so when they moved up into the bay area he was definitely into the all the hunting aspect yeah interesting kim your dad he he drove a truck didn't he wasn't he trucking yep. when you were a kid yeah he uh, he did uh they were they were custom cutters uh on the farm so That's they ran the from down in uh texas up to north dakota uh, wow. combines for wow. years and years and years and then uh, he just got tired yeah. of doing that and uh, he got tired of being on the farm so they went into just long business trucking yep. just when it got on the got on over the road yeah yeah yep. wow sure did. yeah that's pretty cool that's pretty cool <laughs> so okay i want to talk a little bit about um chris when you came up here okay let's let's go back i want to i want to get into a couple i have a couple memories uh with you guys um 
you know, just a, it's such multi-talent. I mean, you got all these different people here doing all these different things. So there's a lot to talk about, but I want to get into, um, let's talk about, I want to hear like, what is your best day that you remember hunting in Clark County? Like just the best day that, that sticks out in your mind where you went home and you were like, wow, that was, and this is open to all three of you. So, it, it, uh, well, for Chris, it was with me because it was with me. <laughs> Right, Chris? <laughs> oh, absolutely. Absolutely. How do we mute Jason? Is there a way to mute him? How do we mute him? <laughs> There's that button there. I can't find the button on my screen. Um, no, it's absolutely the best day with you. So I would say, uh, I, I, Jason, did, we didn't hunt that much together, did we? Did we hunt a lot together? No. We ate bagels. <laughs> we, we ate bagels so one of my best days of hunting it might be one of your dad's best days of hunting too because he laughed so hard at me so he took me out to go pheasant hunting down by vancouver lake and it was the first time i went pheasant hunting and uh since then i actually have killed a lot of pheasants but uh i went pheasant hunting with your dad in vancouver it was it was the lake wasn't it vancouver lake yeah yep. yeah where we yep. do the pheasant hunting. and they would release them the night before wouldn't they right. yeah, yeah okay, they so they'd release them and we go out, and we didn't have a dog. I don't even know. Kim, did we you ever go out? Did dog. you have a dog? Did you ever have a dog, Kim? Who was it who had, I had a dog? Two, I had oh, two yeah, Kim, Kim had a dog. Hannah and Millie. <laughs> Hannah oh, and yeah. Millie. Dumb and dumber. Yeah. They, they were great <laughs> dogs. I got a story with Kim, with my new dog. <laughs> there, <from Wild. laughs> there, was, there was somebody who I went out with in Vancouver who had a dog that was not trained. And I'll Why never forget, they would. It, they would let their dog off the leash and the dog would just like a black lab or something would just bolt after the oh, pheasants no, no, no. and that the was pheasants would just fly that away that was probably Mike Bolke's dog dozer <laughs> and we're yeah, like well, thanks for scaring all the pheasant away I mean they're you know like 200 yards out we're never going to get a chance at them and they're flying <laughs> the opposite yeah, that, direction that was... of it <laughs> so I went out pheasant hunting for the first time with your dad I'd never gone and the whole time we were walking for hours and hours we don't see a pheasant we don't have a dog nothing we finally find this pheasant in a tree, up in really? this tree. And yeah, I don't know if you heard this story, Kim. No. But I go, and, you, and, and Matt's like, dude, you got to get your first pheasant. You got to get your first pheasant. So I line up, and I got like all 288 of my BBs in that pheasant. The pheasant <laughs> just was completely stunned. I hit him, and he just dropped dead weight straight to the ground. And your dad was laughing, Ben. He was laughing so hard i thought he was going to pee himself because i basically obliterated the pheasant with just oh, I hit the thing. your dad was like i just judge maybe we want to back up a little bit i'm like no nah, i'm gonna get up real close and kill the thing and uh, i just killed that thing i must have had a full choke on or something because every single bb got in that thing and it was like this dead pulp of a pheasant i think i tried to cook it and i took one bite and took like you know i ate like had like 10 bbs in my mouth yeah um, one bite of the pheasant but uh yeah. i had so many good days I don't know if I have a best day, okay. but I really did appreciate when I was there after a couple of years, I appreciated the whole, it was the, uh, the prep the night before, uh, you got to get everything lined out and ready. Cause I was not like the less, I'm not really awake, you know, four in the morning when we would get up and have to walk out to Ridgefield or, or you know, drive out and then walk out to our thing. Get and, um, I appreciate, sorry. right. I don't know, what's the deal? Like, can't you like drive me all the way out to the blind but it was just the whole thing and i do remember though i i do remember i think it was you kim i always liked hunting with you because you always had the best equipment 
Oh, my oh yeah. Oh, yes. Like I was like, ooh, ooh I want to go out with him because he's going to have a heater right in the back line. Now Matt would never have a heater. Matt would never have a heater. It was like that was like it was like against his religion to have something that had you know would put heat out other than one of those little, easy little hand warmers that you would use in your pocket and that was supposed to like warm you up for the whole day. But I like going with you, Kim, because you always had a heater and you always had good food. Oh, right? the best food. The Matt, best food. That's it Matt was would the- have like like two-year-old power bars or something right? that were just so nasty <laughs> and it was like oh please i don't want to eat this but um but i really oh, did appreciate the whole prep part and then this going it became way less about getting birds and way more about the experience of being out there and uh, there was something that was actually really good for my body to get out of my ministry busy world into bone chilling or just you know you're walking so many miles you can't even feel your feet anymore and just doing the whole experience and coming home dead tired it was like okay this is therapeutic yeah. right yeah. yeah it's really Absolutely. super therapeutic so, really good mm-hmm. for you yeah so yeah, yeah. Uh, i think i think i think this was kim who took me down to vancouver lake for the um the um pheasant deal i don't know if you remember this kim or not but my dog jack who is you know, probably nine months old at the time. Uh-huh. But you invited me down to the, you know, the big, you know, everybody's down there looking for the pheasant. Yep. And so I brought my dog down and I've been working with him and training him. And like, I'm trying to figure out if he's birdie or not. And, and I can remember like, you know, he was walking with us and some guy, you know, like 150 yards off, you know, shoots, you know, bird, you know, nice male pheasant. And, um, and my dog immediately, like, just takes off. I'm like, Jack, Jack, come on. <laughs> and the guy is like, so there's time enough for him to get to the bird and then hold it up and you can. Like from our vantage point, like there's this beautiful like male pheasant with this long tail, and then, and then my dog like leaps into the air to retreat and rips the bottom of that ass of that pheasant off, tail and all. And I'm like, get back here! <laughs> he was so excited. I'm like, well, I guess he's birdie. And yeah. Running down there getting my darn I'm so sorry. Anyway, so like the best pheasant hunt ever. Vancouver Lake was him. Yeah. Biting the butt off a nice pheasant. <laughs> I remember that. So yeah. It was. Oh, I always tried to make all the hunts fun because when I took the kids, they wouldn't go if it was cold, and they were always hungry. So right. it's like, okay, what do I have to do? Okay, I carry him in on my back into the the Ridgefield blind. I bring the heaters in and like <laughs> remember Jason the, the with the Brian that oh, falls yeah. over, catches fire. <laughs> so yeah. yeah. Then you get the hot oatmeal or you get the whatever. But now we've we've improved. Now we get the breakfast, but we make the breakfast burritos in the uh boat now. So it, it's it's gotten oh, wow. a lot more sophisticated. <laughs> wow. We need we need to get Ryan on. What time is it in Germany? Because we need to review the story about him shooting the uh, First widgeon. Let's call him. First widgeon out in. Um, <laughs> Let's call him. Call him. That's, How do we call him? Uh, How do we call him? Because yeah, that is that is in embedded on my mind as one of the greatest first ducks ever. It is. That was. It's it one was of the greatest the stories ever. 
Because how many, you know, I mean, if you start a fire <laughs> and shoot a bird. Yep. We'll see. We'll see if we can get him on. We'll see if we can get him on. Isn't it like nine hours ahead in Germany? Yeah, it's four four a.m. there right now. That it's not going to work. <laughs> no, it's not going to work. So we need to we need to um, plan that differently. But yeah, okay, no. okay. But he'd love to do it. He'd love to get on. So sometime if you shoot in the morning, we'll get him a hot holler. If we do a so nine and a head, let's see. We could do a Sunday morning. We could do a Sunday yeah. weekend. Okay, <clears throat> let's do that. Maybe uh, next one we'll have him. We'll do the, yeah. the five of us. That'd be fun. We'll talk and do some other, some other hunting. Yeah. How are so you do you like? Do you add a person on every time you do a new podcast? Yeah, like do. you have to do the people you've done plus another person. We that how this works? no, no. It's this is just a, this is just a series here that I'm doing that's with Jason, and so he's kind of like the. I don't know, like the, he's kind of like the headliner. Yeah, he's kind of like the headliner <laughs> and everybody that is the headliner. squad. Hey, which is, it's, that's been my life story with him. He's the headliner. Oh. I'm just the side act. <laughs> come on. Right? Come on. Starring no, Jason fun. Mitchell with starting uh, guest Chris Coulter. <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. Oh, <laughs> Chris was always more captivated, let's be honest. <laughs> Oh, well, too kind. Chris, <clears throat> we gotta get Chris Wayne on this sometime. Oh yeah, Wayne Sims. Is he yeah, still alive? Yes, he's still alive. Oh my God! Yes, I got How him. old? Oh How old is Wayne? He's alive. How old is Wayne? Yeah, I think he's eighty something. He's doing okay. Whoa. Let's get him on here. How can he's we? Do mostly, yeah. He's oh, mostly yeah. alive. There is he's no question we need Wayne Let's on. Do it. Now, Kim, you're going to have to have him at your house to do that. He's right. got to do something. I'll, I'll go down there with my laptop. Okay. There you go. <laughs> to, his, to his RV that he still lives in. Yes. There you go. I'll go down there. Yes. Let's, do yeah. that. Let's, do a, let's do a Wayne night. Yes. Okay. Yeah, and bring, bring your hotspot because he might not have Wi-Fi. All right? Yeah. That's true. That's very that's true. true. Yeah. That's very yeah. true. All right. Here comes my son. Come over here, Ethan. Come sit down. Oh, Come there right. we go. Come here. So here, I'm going to give him one of my. Uh, yeah. Yeah. There we go. Right on. So, hey, what's going on? Yeah. So this is my son Ethan. Hello. Hi, Ethan. So Ethan, Ethan right here you? in the bottom corner here is Ben Hannon. All right. Yeah. He's a longtime friend just of mine. Like Mary. Wow. Uh, and this this is Kim Miller, and this is not Matt Fraser. It is Jason Mitchell. I don't know if you met Jason. <laughs> Jason, have you been here to my house to meet my family? Yes, but he was too young to remember. Yeah. But I have been. It's nice to see you again. So we're doing a podcast, so you're going to be like serious. It's like millions of viewers, I think, right, Ben? Oh yeah, oh yeah, nice. millions, <laughs> millions. You're going to be. <clears throat> you're basically already famous. So. <laughs> so, so these guys all know me from when I was in uh, when I was in ministry when I was doing uh, work up in the Pacific Northwest. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, my son has a hard time believing that I used to be a pastor, I think. Yeah, I, I, yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I think you do. Yeah, I agree with him. I, I, I doubt it as well. <laughs> oh, thank you. Thank you so much. Mr. Compassion, yeah. thank you. <laughs> yeah, thank you. 
So let's hear, let's hear from him. Yeah, Ethan, what do you do? Um, school. <laughs> okay. So tell them how old you are, what grade you're in, and what do you do? Um, yeah. I'm 12 years old. I'm almost 13. I am in seventh grade. Okay. And yeah. And what do you do for fun? You ride skateboards? What do you do? Uh, I play video games. Okay, there you go. That'll work. My kids play video games. You go, uh, you ever go hunting with your old man? We haven't gone hunting yet. This is our year to do it. This This is is our year to do it. Yep. So, what tell me, what is the state of California doing for hunting this year with COVID 19? Oh, I have no idea. They're probably shutting everything down. The state of California really? is on like major lockdown right now. Yeah. Really? Okay. Yeah. So we're we're all complete lockdown. They locked down the city of San Francisco um, in mid March. My sister lives in Marin County, where Jason used to live, and she actually can get pulled over and given a citation or a ticket if she's not going in her car for something medical or uh, some kind of supply, and she has to show like she's on her way to the market. So like you better halfway. have your you better have your list. You better have your list, and so, you better have your bags in your car with you, right? A question, Ethan. Yes. He, do you have COVID nineteen? No. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing I'm aware of yet. Okay. Good. So there, you guys are halfway. You're halfway to martial law, is what you're telling me. <laughs> yeah. yeah, they, they already right. are there. California's already there. That's halfway to martial law. Yeah. Yeah. You're halfway there. You, where, where we live, you can leave your house and you can go do things. Um, but uh, in the San Francisco, not at all. It's completely, really? Yeah, it's completely really? shut down. Yeah. yeah, I saw a thing. They had the governor of California. He was talking about something about that the other day. I saw that. Yeah. So the governor of California is brilliant at saying absolutely nothing for about 45 minutes. Right. Right. And he's he's good looking, he's and you want to listen to him, and you listen to him, and you think, nice yeah, what the heck, care. dude? You didn't say anything. Like, there's nothing. <laughs> there's nothing. Hey, yeah, he is true. a typical politician, right? I mean, that's what yeah. they get paid to do. You know, they they're yep. they're like the corn syrup that they put in our food. They're just they're good at filling <laughs> in stuff. That's what they are. That's true. But this is my son Ethan. So Ethan is a is a really cool kid. Um, yeah, we have actually, way too much fun together. Let's um, oh, yeah. let's take a vote, Ethan or Chris. Let's keep Ethan on. Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> there you go, buddy. No, please no. Ethan's like, no, <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. Did we lose you? Oh, are you still there? Yeah, oh, I'm here. Okay, Good. so let's say let's say this. So we got we got moose, caribou, elk, mule deer, whitetail, five options. Yes, sir. If you have a choice, which one are you gonna go after? What what's gonna oh. be your meat of choice? I'm gonna go to moose. Moose. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And are we talking British Columbia moose or are we talking Alaska moose? Ooh. I'm thinking Alaskan moose. Okay. 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 Yeah. And you want to shoot a bull or a cow? Wait, a what? I couldn't hear you. You want to shoot a bull or a cow? I don't know. Boy. 
Bull. Bull. Yeah. Bull. Shoot a bull. bull. Okay. Definitely a bull. Okay. Yeah. That's good, man. Okay. Well, now your dad knows what you're what you're thinking. So <laughs> you can start getting ready. You can start talking about caliber. You know bullet size start doing some research on moose figure out what they eat where they like to hang out by the time you get go hunting you're going to be a moose expert yes yeah, you, you got google don't you you got a cell phone no i don't i don't got a phone but yeah i have actually you don't google. have a phone but you got google well there you go man that's all you gotta do just google 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 the, just google moose I was telling him that if, if he wants to, if he's going to go moose hunting, that he should go on Google and research and know everything he can about moose. That'd be a really good place to start. So this is our year to take Ethan hunting and to get him into it. Um, in, in California, it's not quite as easy to get somebody into shooting and hunting as you guys think up there. Uh, in the northwest Ethan, come, yeah. to, come to texas come on down there you go yeah oh, yeah welcome. that's right come, said, to texas. come to texas yeah, yeah. that's right there you go <laughs> I like so i used to hunt with all these guys i used to hunt with all these guys. if you want if you want to bring you uh go ahead if you don't yeah you know don't don't listen that's to right. him that hey. guy he was just talking you don't listen to jason I'm hey, basically uh, incredibly and forthright person in, in spite of what your dad says. <laughs> they'll, they'll probably just give you a hunting license if you move to Texas, buddy. It comes with your citizenship. <laughs> in Texas, if you shoot something and you're young and you just go, hey, I'm sorry, you're good. Yeah. Oh They're going to be like, ah, oh, you know what? That's what you're supposed to. So, yeah. Oh, it's That's okay. very true. That's how you learn. Don't do it again. Yeah, that's funny. <laughs> Apologize later. Huh, I've heard that before. Yeah, that's funny. Well, that's mm. pretty cool. Good for you, man. I'm, it's good to see you uh, that you're enjoying California and hanging out with your dad. That's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for coming on the podcast. Hey, I've got a question yeah, for him. You. Can we ask a podcast question of him? Oh yeah, do whatever you want. What's the, uh, what's the most difficult dad thing your dad has said to you during uh, shelter in place? Oh, <laughs> uh, we're breaking up here. We're breaking up. We're sorry. We can't hear you. What's Ethan's got to go away now. I'm sorry. The, the, the signal's really fuzzy. He's coming to parental thing that he said to you during shelter in place. Oh, uh, like, so my dad, he's kind of like a jokester. You know, like making jokes. Yeah. Yeah, like, um, probably the, I don't know, um, no. So we have a game we play, know. the circle game. You guys no, play this with your kids? Yeah. Right? Uh -uh. You play that with your kids? No. Where if you, you no. got to put it, you got to put it below your waist. And if you look at it, so if my son were to look down and to see that it has to be below my waist, it has to be a circle. So if he looks down. I get to punch him, right? Oh, okay. So it's this kind of never-ending, ongoing game where we're both trying to get the other person to look down at the circle, right? So, yeah. so the funny thing is, like, Ethan will trip and fall, and be like, "Oh my gosh, my knee!" And I'll have to look down, and then he'll have like uh, a circle, right? And you're good. like, "Oh, yeah. dude, yeah." Okay. So we're having a little bit of fun with that. Yeah, that's probably most parents will like thing 
but not like the oh, most parental thing, but not like after something he's really said that's like I don't know. What he's trying to say is I don't have a sense of humor. And I'm not very funny, and we appreciate that. <laughs> he won't throw you under the bus, which is no, he knows better, man. Yeah. Hey, no, we have a we know, have a ton of fun. I'll tell you that. Did you know that there was a time that your dad parked, I believe it was like a Jeep or something, in the New Heights parking lot, and he got out, <laughs> and it slid at like two miles an hour across the ice. Talk about this. <laughs> right? Didn't it hit like the only car in the whole entire parking yeah. lot? <laughs> you yeah, have to tell cool. that story, dude. You have to. Well, I don't story. even remember most of the story. I mean, I, dude, Ben, I did so many stupid things, right? <laughs> well, like, that, I, I don't think that was your fault. That well, that was, was ice. It was. I think it was ice. It was ice. That was. It was ice, the ice's man. fault. You can go so on I you. parked my car in some ice, and I got out of my car, and the car just slid, and it hit the only other car in the parking lot, and it was yeah. like one of those slow motion and you can't run to get stop the car because the car is sliding and you're on ice too so you're flipping right. over the place in your feet and the car is doing its thing and it was a, it was a heck of a lot of fun it was when a heck of a lot of fun yeah 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 i remember once getting up and needing to teach i had some huge college event well huge for us it was a couple hundred college students and my battery had died in my car so i had to go get a new battery right before i was supposed to get up and do this i take the old battery out and I put the new battery in and I, I like one minute before I get up to teach, I looked down and the acid from the old battery had gone down one of my pant legs and had oh dripped acid all <laughs> the way down my pant leg to my leather shoes and had burned oh. a hole all the way through my pant leg and down to my leather shoes. And I had to get up and speak to a bunch of college students. I mean, I was just so embarrassed. I, and it, it wasn't like, it wasn't embarrassing like my pants were wide open. It just was like this big hole down oh my, my pants. It was really funny. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Wow. A lot of stories. Yeah, that's frustrating. Yeah, I remember too, I used to, uh, I remember being a kid and I used to be like, hey, um, I don't think that, you know, I don't think that, I remember telling you, like, I just don't think that you could probably beat me up. You remember that? And I used to come over oh, all the time. Like, man. All right, let's see. We would and we would go and go, and then you would finally like hurt me to the point where I'd be like, okay, you know, I just couldn't take no, it anymore. And it would always start out with you just giving me so much smack, being like, dude, yep. you're such a wimp. You couldn't beat anybody yep. up. And I'm like, Ben, <laughs> it would always start with me going, Ben, I don't want to do this this time. Like, Ben, like, I don't want to oh, hurt yeah. you. And you're like, you couldn't hurt a fly. You're such a and it's like, no, Ben, come on, please. I just don't, let's don't do this. And you would just push until until it would end with you in tears. I'm like, sorry. I would hurt you. I, I would get so mad. I would like, and and I don't think your dad cared. He'd be like, hey, Ben. No. You know, didn't. It's all on you, buddy. Nope. Nope. <laughs> he was always happy if somebody would, would firm up on me, man. Because it, it just meant that he didn't have to, you know, that poor guy. <laughs> so, yeah, it was good. <laughs> it was good for him, I'm sure. He'd probably be like, yeah, do it again, you know. Yeah. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. That's so now I don't, funny. I try not to beat up on my kids too much. No, 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 no. I'm sure that they're doing great. How is Mary doing? Mary is doing really well. Um, Good. We have, court, we have three kids, Ben. So we have a 15 year old girl. Okay. my 12 year old son. And okay. then I have a 10 year old daughter as well. So we have um, three kids at home all the time. You know this, you're a 
parents and kids I and am. all this stuff. And yep. so we have, we have kids going nuts right now. Yeah, yeah. We're all going nuts. Right. Yep. Like we have a little great house and a great place we live. And it's just, I, you can't have a big enough house in the coronavirus. It's like, no. it doesn't exist. No. You know, it's like, I mean, after a little while we've done everything. I've cleaned out everything. My kids have done everything. My wife is great at scrapbooking. She's doing scrapbooking and projects. And we're just like, Oh my gosh, if we don't get out of here. We're going to, so not all five of us are going to live through this whole scenario right yeah 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 man i'm sorry to hear that so you guys are pretty locked down there in california then yeah yeah uh let's see ethan when's the last time you left the house left the house um i went on a walk yesterday okay okay well, but, but besides going on a walk besides going on a walk right i went on a bike ride a bike ride but you haven't been to a store or a friend's house in or anywhere other than a bike ride or a walk in how long? Two to three weeks. Oh, more yeah, than that, really. Yeah, more than that. Absolutely. We've been on lockdown for six weeks here. And Chris, wow. Wow. Chris, you've spoken to him about the military industrial complex and how that <laughs> all that. Yeah. My son you never is. know, man. <laughs> you never know. They might kick your door in tonight and you might be getting thrown into a van, you know, headed out. Man. You know, you never know. Could happen. Anything happen. better than this. Take us away. I went to hey, I went away. to school with a guy. Permanent to... permanent guest, Ethan. Permanent yeah. guest. right there. Yep. It'll have to be on the next one. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. <clears throat> How are you guys yeah. doing on time? I don't I think what time is it? downstairs. Yeah, I got to run too. Okay. Yeah. Well, let's wrap it up. Uh, you want to try again? Let's get Wayne on for next week and let's see if we can do it again. Ethan, you're welcome back. Um, hey, if you on. want. Not welcome back. He's required. What He's required. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Okay. We'll see you on the next you know, uh, wait, wait a second. You noticed that he didn't invite me back, Ethan. He invited <laughs> well, you, but I'm not me. I heard both that. Of you would be, I figured right. it would be a duo. Let me, let me be real direct with Ethan. Ethan, your dad's your call. If you want your dad on, that's your call. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He just, he just, I show that, show that. What did you just do? Did you see what he just did for me? He just did that. He's going to give you one pretty quick. Yeah. Yeah. He better. That's he funny. better. Hey, it's good to chat with you guys. You too. Yeah, right, great so, yeah. to hear from you. And uh, next time, <clears throat> we'll pick up where we left off. Let's get, let's figure out with Wayne, Kim. I'll get a hold of you Wayne, on that. Here, yeah, I'll call him next week. I got I okay. have a week off, so I'll give him a call. I'll get in touch with you on that nice. this week. Okay. Love yep. Love Thanks. you guys. Thank you. Thanks, Thanks for doing this. Yep. We'll do it again. Talk to. Listen, you guys, we're getting up on social media. We got a Facebook page. We're going to have an Instagram page. <clears throat> we're going to be up on YouTube. Um, so you guys can, you guys who are at home or stuck in the office, you know, if you want some visual in your entertainment, uh, check us out on YouTube, Voice of the Feral on YouTube. And, uh, and Facebook, and Instagram, and Twitter, and if and if I'm missing something, write it, write me, tell me what I should get on. <clears throat> Check us out. Uh, give us a like, 
and you can you can see us live 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 on your eyes so check it out all right talk to you soon Okay, friends, the question is, and where we're going with all of this, what's going to be your legacy? What's going to be my legacy? Who are you going to choose to be? And what people are you going to leave behind? And what are they going to do with what you taught them? Are they going to do good things? Or are they going to do bad things? That's what we're trying to get at. So it's a question for all of us. Come back next week. We're going to Temple, Texas, way down south. We're going to have Jason Mitchell on the line. You guys, it's going to be great. Thank you for listening to the Voice of the Pharaoh podcast, and we'll keep a light on for you.